Coming up after our next break, just ahead, Kristen Clark will be our guest. She is president and executive director of the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. And she leads one of the country's most important national civil rights organizations in the pursuit of equal justice for all. Her organization leads the Election Protection Program and the 866-R-Vote Hotline for Voters. We're going to hear more from her uh, coming up after this segment. But first, I wanted to share with you uh, an op-ed written by Kristen for CNN entitled, For Some, I Voted Sticker Isn't Easy to Get. She writes, while some Americans are already posting selfies online with I Voted stickers from early voting, too many more find it difficult to exercise their rights at the polls November 8th. Americans should be on the lookout for violations of voters tomorrow now that the U.S. Supreme Court has stripped away many of the protections of the Voting Rights Act. Local officials in a number of states have already taken steps that could well discourage or outright suppress voting across the country. And tomorrow will mark the first presidential election in more than 50 years without the full protections of the Voting Rights Act. In 2013, Chief Justice John Roberts authored an opinion for the Supreme Court in Shelby County, Alabama versus Holder that gutted a core provision of the act. And in it, Roberts noted that things have changed dramatically across the country and that blatantly discriminatory evasions of federal decrees are rare. However... His view of the voting rights landscape does not align with events over the last three years, which make clear that voting discrimination and voter suppression are alive and well. Since that ruling, we have witnessed lawmakers taking action to make voting more difficult, and what's worse, their efforts have only intensified in the weeks leading up to the 2016 general election. Only compounding the situation is the U.S. Department of Justice's more recent decision to terminate core components of its federal observer program. These specifically trained individuals were deployed inside polling sites to help prevent discriminatory challenges to minority voters and ensure fair treatment of voters, all voters, by the way. Their presence is needed now more than ever with extremist groups such as the Oath Keepers vowing to mobilize former law enforcement and military officials to conduct surveillance covertly at polling sites. Now, whether their plans are mere rhetoric remains to be seen, but one couple with the false proclamations of rigged elections and other calls for citizens to lurk outside polling sites on Election Day, their ominous tone will likely have a devastating effect either way. As executive director of the Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, she writes as she's seen firsthand how voting rights advocates are trying to be everywhere at once to prevent voter suppression in states across the country. And she goes on to cite some specific states and examples. She writes, take Texas, for example. Hours after the Shelby ruling, Texas announced that it was implementing a restrictive voter identification requirement for voters that disenfranchised more than a million Texans. After hard-fought litigation, the 5th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals issued a ruling finding that law discriminatory. Not just discriminatory, by the way. If you read further what the judge wrote, it was disproportionately discriminatory against people of color. So I would accuse, uh, include Latinos along with African Americans. Now, the Lawyers Committee and other organizations have sought to ensure compliance by state and local officials with the new broader ID requirements uh, that this ruling put in place. Now, She also goes on to say, as early voting commenced during the last week of last month in October, several Texas counties have continued to post signs or give instructions to voters with outdated information. In other words, they're not following the new law. They're following the old. In Georgia, voting discrimination is a problem at the state and local level. In Hancock County, Georgia election officials sought to, quote, clean up the voter registration polls by purging almost 20 percent of voters who were primarily African-American in the county seat of Sparta. 
The sheriff's office then issued summons requiring voters to appear with proof of their continued eligibility to vote. Now, in September, voting rights advocates sued the state of Georgia for imposing an exact match policy for processing of voter registration forms, and we'll talk about when she comes on how that turned out. Now, unless every number in digit on a voter registration form exactly matched information contained with Georgia, that state's databases, the forms were not processed. Now, as a result, more than 42,000 registration forms were rejected despite evidence that the databases were riddled with clerical errors. So maybe Donald Trump was right. It's rigged, but not the way you would think. Not in favor of him, a white man. Now, analysis revealed a disproportionate impact in Georgia on minorities who were more likely to have unique names than the officials had put in. In other words, if you have a name, um, you know, let's let's say that you you know don't you're not called John and you have a name, you know, from a certain ethnicity background or you know nation like you know a nation in Africa, maybe where your ancestors came from. Those names. Officials often misspelled and therefore mistyped them. And days after filing the suit, officials relented. They began to process many registrations formed. And by the way, litigation continues. We'll talk more about that. North Carolina is a big key state, right? We'll talk about that. We'll talk about other states, Arizona, and more with our guests coming up right after this. So don't you go away. And if you want to ask Kristen Clark, President and Executive Director of the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, question 888-6-LESLIE is the number. 888-653-7543. Back in a moment. We are back. Happy Monday. I'm Leslie Marshall. Welcome, welcome back only to Democracy in a Talk Radio of four and by you, the people. Oh, Mark, I'm bad. I did it again. Deleted. But did you know that Geico, uh, 15 minutes or more, can, sa- can save you money at geico.com? Check it out. I'm Leslie Marshall, and you've just heard some uh, great information and a great piece on uh, CNN, an opinion piece written by our next guest, and we're glad and happy uh, to have her with us uh, today. Uh, pick up the phone and join us, like I said, if you have a question or comment, 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Executive Director of the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law. Her name is Kristen Clark, and that she is leader of the country's, one of the country's most important national civil rights organizations in the pursuit of equal justice for all. Her organization, it leads the Election Protection Program and the 866-R-Vote Hotline for Voters. More than a pleasure to have Kristen with us. Kristen, good afternoon and welcome. Happy Monday. Ah, same to you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, Kristen, thank you for joining us. I shared some of your piece uh, from CNN, great piece entitled For Some I Voted Sticker Isn't As Easy uh, to Get. Um, There are some out there that say it's an excuse that Hillary Clinton or Democrats and supporters would make when they look at states specifically like North Carolina. I I think that would be numero uno uh, in Ohio. And, uh, you know, point to changes that have been made in those states with regard to voting and access to voting, and we can't um, ignore how the U.S. Supreme Court stripped away, as you write about, many of the protections of the Voting Rights Act. So first of all, how accurate would it be to say that there are some voters tomorrow um, that uh, disproportionately minorities, even more so in some states African-American within that minority group, that either can't vote because their name's spelled wrong, can't vote because they don't necessarily have a voter registration card. I don't have a voter registration card. Uh, can't vote because, you know, God knows what happened to the place down the street for them where they used to vote, you know, or, or, or just it's been made so much more difficult for them to vote in their state. North Carolina is one of many examples of this. Yeah, the, the latter part of your statement is key. Since the 2013 Supreme Court ruling in Shelby County, Alabama, the holder. We've been without 
uh, some of the core protections that have long been provided by the Voting Rights Act. So we march into tomorrow's election with this being the first presidential election in more than 50 years without the core protections of the Voting Rights Act in place. And over the last three years since the Supreme Court issued that ruling, we've seen states put in place laws and rules that make it harder for some to vote. Texas's photo ID law, their restricted government issued photo ID requirement that required that voters only vote if they had one of a handful of qualifying ID. Um, North Carolina, which slashed early voting uh, hours and locations and did so after seeing data that showed that African-American voters historically had turned out in record numbers for early voting. Um, all around the country, we've seen states put up hurdles and roadblocks that make it harder for some to vote. But I'm encouraged. I think that Americans across our country will turn out to vote. Uh, we've been doing some hard work in the courts to overturn some of these laws, and we've had some success. My hope is that people will exercise this most fundamental right to vote tomorrow, and that all across the country will see high levels of turnout and participation rates. I want to talk about that as well, specifically African-Americans. There are a lot of reports, even into this morning, that the African-American um, voting number is down in early voting. And I've heard others say, you know, depending on what, you know, facts that you read, and some are facts, and then, you know, some are, you know, blogs that, you know, have, uh, I don't even like to call them fiction, I like to call them urban legends at this point. Um, but is it true, at least statistically, that African-Americans tend to vote more tomorrow than they do, do in early voting, or does that vary state to state? just as a demographic on the whole? You know, it varies. Where there are real early voting opportunities, meaning where counties have, you know, many locations where you can turn out to vote, where there are, um, you know, very wide early voting hours, voters of all stripes take advantage of the opportunity to get out and vote, right? It's hard sometimes for people to uh, take time off from work on a Tuesday or to find yep. child care to go and vote. I voted last Sunday night at 7 p.m., and I was thankful because my week is very busy uh, working to defend access to the ballot box right now. So when we make it easy to vote, people do turn out. In North Carolina, we've seen a drop in uh, turnout rates among African-American voters, and I think that this is in direct response to the fact that um, the state initially cut early voting. Then we saw a federal appeals court overturn the uh, decision of state lawmakers, uh, finding that their decision was both discriminatory in effect and purpose. But now counties across North Carolina have cut early voting locations and early voting hours. And thus, I'm not surprised that uh, for some, we, we did not see uh, turnout rates as high as they had been in the past. But tomorrow uh, is Election Day, and people have the opportunity to turn out and vote. My hope is that they'll do so. We run the nation's largest nonpartisan voter protection program, and through our 866-HOUR-VOTE hotline, we encourage voters to call us and report any problems that they may experience at the polls tomorrow. Uh, I want to talk about that as well. I mean, um, 
there are the Justice Department, correct me if I'm wrong, I think they're providing protection in 28 states. Well, that's just a little more than half. We have 50 states. Um, do you feel that the Department of Justice should provide protection for voters in all 50 states? And so people understand what kind of protection and protection from what? Right. So the Justice Department announced this morning that they will be deploying about 500 of their staff members. These are informal monitors to polling sites in certain counties across roughly 26 states. It's important to note that the Justice Department just a few months ago terminated its long-standing or terminated core components of its long-standing federal observer program. These were specially trained individuals who were deployed uh, to certain parts of our country with long histories of voting discrimination to watch for problems like voter intimidation and voter suppression during elections. At the end of the day, um, the Justice Department's effort this year will be different. It will be smaller. Um, and voters in some communities may be more vulnerable as a result, but we encourage voters in those communities to speak up if they see issues, shine a spotlight on the problems that may be unfolding around the country, and most importantly, to call our 866-hour vote hotline if they um, experience uh, problems at the polls. Um, you know, you had written in your piece, and I would agree with you, that some of the rhetoric um, makes uh, people fearful. Will that also, do you think, make people fearful to go out and vote if they're not aware of the protections we're speaking of that they're legally entitled to, that your organization provides, Department of Justice will provide, and other volunteer organizations? That's what voter intimidation and voter suppression is about. It's about trying to discourage people from exercising their right to vote, trying to chill voter participation, but the reality is that there are groups like ours working in collaboration with more than 100 organizations across the country that are working to safeguard access to the ballot box. The, you know, racially tinged and toxic rhetoric of this election cycle hangs as a dark cloud over this election, but um, there are folks that are committed to ensuring that all eligible Americans are able to participate in our democratic process, and people should go to the polls empowered uh, to speak up if they see an issue. Uh, absolutely. Um, so, so that people understand, uh, you know, what are people, you know, let, let's break it down. Uh, somebody had posted that in Ohio people were going, hey, you know, uh, you like LeBron James, vote for Hillary. I mean, where is the line between, you know, uh, intimidation or, you know, just uh, being enthusiastic and campaigning for one's candidate, whether, you know, they're in favor of Trump or of uh, Hillary? Right. You know, our democracy is alive when there is excitement and energy in the air, right? And there are people out there who are uh, banging the drum loudly for their candidate. And, you know, that's a healthy thing in our democracy. Voter intimidation and voter suppression is something very different. Those are ugly uh, tactics and dirty tricks that are aimed at particular groups, aimed at locking out particular groups from our electoral process. And so, you know, through our 866-hour vote hotline, we learned about potential voter intimidation in West Palm Beach, Florida, where there were folks yelling uh, and screaming into uh, megaphones if people were turning out for early voting. We learned about Broward County, Florida, 
uh, where there were groups assembling around people's cars as they were uh, moving to access wow. early voting sites. You know, that's when you cross the line, when you're trying to frighten people from participating, when you're trying to discourage people from exercising the right to vote. You, you've crossed the line, and that's the kind of anti-democratic anti-patriotic behavior that we should not tolerate in our democracy today. Will going forward that Supreme Court decision, uh, Shelby County, uh, Alabama versus Holder, uh, that in 2013 Chief Justice uh, John uh, Roberts, uh, you know, uh, made change really with his opinion. Um, You know, is there hope that going forward, much like people have a hope that Citizens United will be overturned or Roe v. Wade will be overturned, that this decision will be overturned and that full voting uh, rights, uh, uh, you know, will be restored? Because this will be the first election in how many years where people don't have the full voting rights protection? protections that they've had in the that's, past? That's right. This is the first presidential election in more than 50 years without the full protections of the Voting Rights Act in place. You know, the Supreme Court put the ball in Congress's court. It is Congress's job to now respond to the Supreme Court's ruling and to uh, do what it can to modify the Voting Rights Act and restore its important protections. My hope is that after this election, we will use the evidence of discrimination and voter suppression that we have seen um, starkly from the last three years, use that uh, to urge Congress to take overdue action to restore the Voting Rights Act. Uh, Whether it's Texas's photo ID law or North Carolina's efforts to turn the clock back in every respect when it comes to voting access, We've seen that voting discrimination is alive and well. Uh, So it is time for Congress to respond and do its job to ensure that all eligible Americans enjoy equal access to the political process. Let's uh, take some calls, Ishmael. uh, Give us a buzz back, buddy, and let's go next to Nick. Um, uh, Nick, thank you for joining us. Uh, Nick is in Arcata, California, listening on KXGO. Uh, Nick, good afternoon on Line 3. Welcome. Hi there. Um, could, could your guest address the, uh, the technique of voter suppression in the form of closing polling places? So, like, so, you know, because I know, I understand there's hundreds of them that have been closed, and so that causes, you know, excessively long lines. People have to stand in line for six, seven, eight hours, and this is just obscene as far as I'm concerned, because that is voter suppression. Um, I no, I agree with you. I mean, two and a half, and my husband and I looked at each other, took our kids, and said, no, I guess we won't vote together, and you do it as a family with the kids watching you know, the political process. We're going to do it tomorrow. Uh, that's a very good question, um, and uh, Kristen, I'd love for you to respond. Now, this, this is indeed a real issue. Um, throughout the South in particular, we have seen states shut down uh, polling sites um, Texas counties have closed at least 403 polling places. Um, Arizona comes next. They've co- closed down about 200 polling sites. And Louisiana ranks third, having closed 103 polling places in recent years. This is shameful, and we are seeing the fallout all across our country. In Cincinnati, Ohio, uh, voters endured uh, a line that was about four hour, had a four-hour wait time that stretched for about half a mile trying to vote at the one early voting uh, location uh, in that city. 
uh, in Maricopa County during the primary season, we saw the fallout from their decision to reduce the number of polling places in that county from more than 200 in prior years to just 60 um, this primary season, five-hour wait times and long lines. This should not be tolerated in American democracy in 2016. My hope is that after this election, we can find uh, political consensus and political will to roll up our sleeves and do the hard work that's necessary to ensure that everyone enjoys uh, full access to the political process, that nobody be subject to long uh, waits to cast the ballot, and to ensure that everyone can have their voice heard and participate. We also see the, t- the states, and I, I, this is no coincidence, Texas, Georgia, North Carolina, Arizona. These are some states that we've just uh, mentioned. Um, but these are also states that have very large African-American populations and growing and very large or growing Hispanic populations. That is not a coincidence, correct? It's not. We're seeing tremendous uh, demographic change around our country. It's a, a, a healthy thing. It's what makes our nation so unique. Uh, the fact that we are a, a colorful nation uh, that embraces our racial difference. But there's some communities that are struggling with that demographic change. And it's often in those communities where we've seen efforts to lock minority groups out of the political process. In my view, it's anti-democratic. We want to live in a world in which all citizens are able to freely participate, no matter what they look like or where they were initially born. Absolutely. Kristen, awesome. We'll have you on the show again. You're good. Kristen Clark, President and Executive Director of the National Lawyers Committee for Civil Rights Under Law, leading one of the country's most important national civil rights organizations in the pursuit of equal justice for all. Uh, by the way, check out uh, the Election Protection Program and go to call if you have any questions. It is a hotline for you voters everywhere. 866-R-VOTE. That's 866-R-VOTE. And you can go to the website if you want to find out more. 866 rvote Org, that hotline, 866 R Vote, and on Twitter, follow at 866 R Vote.